lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, here we go. Welcome, everybody. Episode number 193 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, July the 22nd, 2023, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank everybody who tuned in last Sunday with our guest Ezra Levine from Mascot. Also want to thank everyone who tuned in last Sunday for the LCG Live. They broke several auctions, including iPhone and Master of the Universe toy sales. Also want to thank everyone who joined in for taking stock last Tuesday, Slab Sharks Live on Thursday, and Iconic Auctions Preview last night. Busy here on the channel, and we are not slowing down. Also, Monday, double feature, we have an REA Auctions Preview, and then MC Mondays Live on Monday night. Couple of sponsors I would like to thank and tell you about. Please join over 400,000 people who have already downloaded the Center Stage app across both iOS and Android for quick comps and card management features. Their app is the fastest and most accurate at card shows or at home to help you price your cards. You can build, organize, and share your collection with friends and find other collectors to follow using their new social sharing features. They've announced some exciting new grading partnerships, so check out their Instagram account and please join me in supporting the team and the innovation they are undertaking. Also, use protection, practice safe swaps. Veriswap is an app and middleman service that lets you securely trade cards through the mail. Every transaction up to 1 million in value is fully insured by their guarantee to use Veriswap, upload your inventory, make trade, partial trade, or full cash offers, negotiate with thousands of traders already on the platform. Check that out on iOS and on Android and as part of a special offer, your first trade on Veriswap is $1. There is a referral link in the video description below. Also check out their master swapper competition with the belt that will be awarded at an at the national, at the Wolfpack trade night. Also wanna shout out and thank Leighton Sheldon, Just Collect, he'll be joining us a little bit later tonight for the Vintage Spotlight. Check out hobbynewsdaily.com, daily dose of hobby news and entertaining content. And finally, Tag Grading, the Discord service, and the Facebook group are both live and active. So join other hobbyists who are chatting, buying, selling, trading, sharing picks, and just talking shop, connecting with other collectors who like transparent and reproducible grading. Go to taggrading.com, the community tab, to enter either of those communities. And you will find out first about Tag's grading drops, even surprise flash drops, and Tag will be grading on site at the national in a couple in a couple next week so go ahead get ready to have your drop by the booth get ready to have your mind blown in terms of what the future of grading does look like i want to thank all partners and supporters of sports cards live for your ongoing support and especially you the listeners the podcast subscribers the viewers appreciate all you if you're not yet subscribed to the youtube channel please take a moment and do so and as always tonight your comments and your questions they are in play Let's get to it. Tonight's guest, he started in the hobby in 2003 when he went to the National with his brothers in Atlantic City as a kid because of LeBron James, and he has been in the hobby ever since. His favorite athlete is Luka Doncic, originally from Long Island, New York, and currently hailing from Las Vegas, Nevada. Let's bring him out right now. Chad Blesnick, Mr. C. Blesnick, welcome to Sports Cards Live. 
I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's going to be an amazing conversation tonight. I'm excited. I, I'm excited to have you too, Chad. We've been talking about having you on the show for about a year, about a year. I think I'm trying to remember the first time we met in person. I think it was at the first Burbank show. Is that right? Or was it before? It was the Burbank show. I think it was like right outside the trade night we met. Yeah. That's right. We, we met there for the first time, got along really well instantly, uh, which was which is just always nice when you meet a like-minded person who enjoys cardboard. So it was great to meet you. We've been talking about having you on ever since. Here we are. We're getting to it. And um, I think one of the things that that, you know, I just want to say when I first met you and, you know, you have a you have a uh, a place online. You are you are a creator. You have a a persona, a reputation. When I met you, you know, I was I come in without any judgment whatsoever, and you were nothing but warm and interested, and uh, you you were present in the discussion. And I I thought, well, this is this is just a nice guy. This is just a good dude, and. I'm, I'm glad to be chatting with him and uh, hope to, you know, have a build a friendship over time. I feel like we've done that now. So again, it's great to have you on the show. It is it is a year in the making. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, a lot of people, when they watch my stuff, they think they think that's everything. And it's seeing someone in person versus content. It can be the same. It can be different depending on what's going on. But I think with with us, it's like we think similar on a lot of topics. And we've, we've both been in the hobby for a long, long time and we share a passion. And I think sometimes a lot of people like at the shows and stuff, there shouldn't be beef between anyone because we all share the love for cardboard. And at the end of the day, like that's what's bringing us to wherever we're going. Let's say the national next week. So it's like there shouldn't be beef between people. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know what? That is a it's a great way to think. And wouldn't the world be? Uh, a more wonderful place if there actually wasn't beef between people, but there is. And you've been you've been party to some of it over the last little while. One one particular instance that did sort of make its way through other content creators. I think you even you went on Sports Card Radio. Uh, that feels like that's already a few months ago. I watched that by the way, and I must say that I thought you I thought you handled yourself absolutely superbly during that that uh, appearance with with uh, with the sports card radio brothers i thought you just did a, a great job and and really represented yourself well how did you feel coming out of that i thought it went pretty well i mean they they definitely can try to antagonize people and make people i mean they're going for for stories and drama and i think that Honestly, I had a good conversation with them. I think the way that they think about cards, I know that they talk negatively a lot, but I know that they love cards. So I'm going to like, like today, they're, I think like they're at a show or something. So it's like people, I think a lot of the times in the hobby, especially with content, people take things too seriously. And I think sometimes we need to like take a step back and understand that not everything should like rile people up. It's like a lot of the content they do make is is bad. I'll, I'll say that. And it's inappropriate and it's not fit for the hobby. But I do think that people should be a little bit more in general, not related to them. But I think people should give people the benefit of the doubt and not just like rush the conclusions right away. 
I'm not really talking about them. I'm more talking about like a scam. People could get accused of a scam, something like that. Or whenever something like goes wrong and there's a rumor, you see a lot of people in the hobby just take like the mob mentality and like, oh, like a, this guy's he's a, he's a scammer. He's a crook. And it's like, I think we need, and this is a subject I don't think a lot of people talk about, which, but we could talk about it. But I think that like, the mob mentality comes in a lot. And I think sometimes it's just not fair. And I think sometimes we need to wait for more evidence and see what actually, I mean, it's a problem with the world today. I think like a lot of the news, it's tough to believe and tough to know what's true, but what's your opinion on that? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, we are living in a guilty till proven innocent sort of uh, era. Uh, especially within hobby content you mentioned that people can get accused of scams or or just you know being bad actors and you know in many cases let's say in many cases there they are there are there are bad actors in this space but in in probably i don't i'm not going to quantify but in other cases somebody just you know was missed something was misunderstood or misseen or something was was misconstrued uh for for not being what it was and it happens all the time people jump to conclusions and people also they i think it's human nature to project you know you project what, how you see something and you think that the other person must be feeling the same way or seeing it the same way and once once you realize that you are projecting and you are prone to projecting i think you're better able to you know have have an open mind and realize that that the other other people you know there is different uh, there are different things going on in their minds and would be going on in your mind so yeah we are living in a guilty till proven innocent time it happens in our hobby on in hobby content regularly right now there's lots of it going on and the mob mentality that you mentioned chad yeah i mean the mob mentality is out it's fervent right now in the hobby because it's so easy it's just so easy to leave a comment on a on a in a youtube chat or on an instagram post or a tweet it's so easy to make a, an, make a comment that doesn't have merit and then there's no repercussions. There's no accountability because exactly you're anonymous. So a hundred percent. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you, you just, people like forget a week later, two weeks later. So it's kind of like irrelevant, like a few weeks down the line, most of the time. So it's like, why get so angry in the moment? To me, it's just a little bit confusing yeah okay let's take a minute here let's go to some comments i also want to re remind you and everyone uh that leighton sheldon from just collect will be joining us for the vintage spotlight we're gonna have a bit of vintage conversation when he comes on uh but let's go through some comments there was one that came in earlier i don't never seen this poster it says nice to tie betting and cards together hopefully the kids are watching well this show goes this show starts late and um i think kids are smart enough to understand well many kids are smart enough to understand but we're not here pushing anything that you're not supposed to do until you are of legal age. Uh, right, Chad? Yeah, hundred percent. And the thing is there's advertising everywhere for everything now. So it's like, if you're going to go to my Instagram page and see something and complain, I'm sure it's a lot worse somewhere else. Yeah. You're probably, you're probably right. There's a lot of vir virtuousness going on out there uh, right now as well. Lapper says it's important for kids to understand single game betting before they can even think of betting parlays. Joe Perot <laughs> says, welcome Chad. Good evening. Good to see you, Joe. Good evening, Lapper. Perk, Mosaic Mind, Jeff Hart. Good to see you. Jeff McMahon, Hockey Cardboard, Crack the Beers. Let's go. 
Mark Santucci, what's going on? Good to see ya. Hobby Champ says the hobby is alive, baby. EGM, we are we are verified on chat. Carlos Diego, Sluggers55 in the house says, Welcome, Carlos. Mr. Lesnick, my favorite guy. We'll be seeing you at the national next week. Carlos, good to see you. Stukes, good to see you. Says Chad is an amazing guy. Mark Santucci, Cblez being here from Long Island. Are you a Mets or a Yankees fan? I like the Yankees. He likes the Yankees. Hobby Champ says Cblez is greater than Santiago. Do you want to do you want to address that at all, Chad? I think at the national we're gonna we're gonna settle it one way or another. And I think that <laughs> honestly, he came at me for a few reasons that I just thought were like preposterous. So I was just kind of more sticking up for myself, let's say. And I think I think things got a little bit out of proportion, but I put that to rest a few months ago. It's, it is what it is. It's okay. Yeah. You know, like you said earlier, we all have cardboard in common and, you know, there, it'd be nicer if there wasn't beef, but the problem is there's a lot of really strong personalities and there's a lot of strongly held beliefs. At least people put out there that they have strongly held beliefs, whether they live up to those standards or not. I would question uh, most people who, who are virtuous and, and, and project their so-called uh, ethics onto the rest of, 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 of the public and the hobby. But, uh, but at the end of the day, we do have that in We do have the cardboard in common, uh, but the hobby is filled with people from all over uh, all sorts of different backgrounds and everything. So I think it's only natural that not everybody's going to get along. But to step into that, I think that I think we should, like I said, give ben people the benefit of the doubt. I realized that recently, I think people also, shouldn't just make judgments through content. You should wait until you meet someone in person to make more of a judgment, which well, I that's, think, yeah, yeah. Just gonna, you got to meet someone in person before you actually determine what they're like. You're so I, that I couldn't agree with more Chad. And you know, and there's people, there's a lot of people out there that have beef with other people. And when you end up at a card show in person, uh, I would say 0% of those people are going to go up to the person they have beef with and get in their face because they're not protected by that buffer that is the internet anymore. And, you know, if they were to approach the person that they have an issue with, I think that in most cases you could find a, you, you could find a compromise or something, build some rapport and get past it. We've seen it happen already several times and we talked about sports card radio before they used to take issue with brian gray then he went on their show they're cool they they took issue with ken golden he went on their show i don't know if they're cool or not i don't watch everything but you know that 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 worked out they had beef with you you went on their show they say nicer things about you now so once you meet somebody in, in person or even in a, on a just a face-to-face -face, you know zoom call sort of thing i think you can you can make some progress and realize that maybe the differences aren't that important and, and, and that, that many, what do you think? I agree with you a hundred percent. Most of the time, like you're saying, when people meet the person face to face, they actually flip what they thought on the internet. So it's like when you actually look at what's happening and not just like a fake world, you gotta, it's, it's gotta change your behavior in some respects, you know, but I don't think it does. That's the thing. Yeah. Daniel A says that uh, it's the cancel culture mentality. I think there's definitely truth to that. 
Brent, Deep Value Investor. Have to give this guy credit. I hear his name all the time, but I have no idea what his expertise is or what he collects. Why don't you sort of share that with uh, with the audience? So I have a braking company with my brothers, and we specialize in the modern cards, which is like the products that come out every week. I've been collecting for 20 straight years since I was seven. I went to the national and I collect like pretty much the younger players, like the rookies. I'll, I'll collect them for a few years. I'll pick a few players that I want to prospect on. That's my favorite thing to do in the hobby is buying a player that nobody's buying and hopefully they pan out and you make a big return on that. That's my favorite thing to do. And yeah, I mean, I would say I'm an expert on the modern day cards, specifically basketball, baseball, football. Perfect. There you go, Brent. Corey Carr, hello. Lion says uh, C-Bless is a dog. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a, I think that's a compliment. Philly Joe, what's up? Ben Diamond says, if you are doing well enough to spend your extra money on cards, you should be grateful and kind. I mean, just being kind kind of is something you should be anyway, right? But I, I agree with Ben. Uh, if you are fortunate enough, like we're talking about these, this the whole first world problems here a lot of the time, right? If you're consuming content, you're going to the card shows, you're buying and selling cards, you're a collector, uh, you're 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 ahead of 99% of the world, 90% of the world already. Uh, it would be nice to keep things in perspective a little bit. Do you find that people lose perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think that. I don't know. I think everyone's situation is different. Again, I don't want to like read into what people, if they're having a bad day or, or something's going on with their family. I feel like you just don't know. And it's just like you said, you got to just be kind to everybody because of those reasons. And it's not just cards. It's like in life. 100%. James says, I like Seabuzz. He's having fun. Good for him. I, I agree. Hey, Colin. Carlos says, looking forward to seeing you both. My favorite Canadian and favorite American. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Carlos. I love you, uh, Carlos. Car let's all get along. Life is short. Corey Carr, it seems like hostility has been peaking in the past couple weeks. Have you noticed that? Do you find that the past couple weeks, are you noticing any more hostility than before? No, I actually, I, I think it's ramping down, If I, in my opinion. I, I feel like I'm on the same page as you there. Uh, but again, Corey Carr is seeing other things than we are, so we can't project what we're seeing on everybody else, but we see what we see. You love the hobby. You say the hobby is alive. What do you love most about the hobby and you know, tie that into how, how why the hobby is alive? Honestly, I love, there's so many things. It's hard to answer that question, but I would say that I love how it intertwines like five things that I love, which is sports. I love business. I love deal-making. I love, I like the content of the industry. I like, I like going into a shop and just hanging out like I did today. I was literally at Legacy Sports Cards like the whole day for six hours. I honestly just love, I love the atmosphere. Like that people don't say that, but it's like, I love just like people are talking sports, people are talk, people are opening boxes. And then it's like, oh, you get a big pool, go over there. You got sports on the TV. I just, I mean, when you get into the business side of it, I love, I love that you can like buy a player and you can make like 10 times your money in like two, three years if he pans out. Like I, I love, like you can't really do that in most other things. I feel like I have an advantage buying like rookie cards 
because if you watch a ton of like college basketball and NBA and stuff, you kind of get to see who's good. And then if, if you're good at like scouting kind of and seeing like who you think is going to be good, I think you can do well there. I love going to the card shows and, and just hanging out with a bunch of the community. It's a kind of similar thing to the shop. Honestly, there's so many things. What's your favorite part? You know, at the end of the day, because like the only part of the hobby that doesn't, that, that I don't think can really bring you down. If you're a collector, you know, if, if you are, if you are in this to flip and make money and that's fine, I, I wouldn't rely on this as much, but to me, it, at the end of the day, it's really the cards because the cards, the cards are something that I can always go to and they will reground me if I'm getting fed up or, or just, you know, if, if content is bothering me or transactions are bothering me or the hostility, the, the conflict, if any of that is starting to, to bring me down, I can go back to my cards and my cards will, will, you know, kind of re ground me, re remind me why I love this hobby, why I've loved sports cards literally since 1980 Been doing this, you know, my whole life. And so I, I think at the end of the day, I like the, I like the cards the most, but a close second are the relationships that I've built. My closest friends in my life now, not all of them. I mean, I've got, I got friends from throughout my life, but my fate, almost like my favorite friends are, are my are my hobby friends because we have the hobby in common so there's always something to talk about whether it's you know i go over to my one buddy's house probably once every three months i take over my cards i show my new cards like we do an in-person show and tell and, I, and we catch up on life like i love that so it's the cards it's the people uh it, it it's not the conflict but they're but that that just comes with the territory yeah no i i think Obviously, the cards are the reason we're all here, but I think people, there's so many different elements to this hobby. There's so many ways that you could participate, and, and honestly, I think that's like one of the main beauties of it. You don't have to do it to someone else's mold. You can do it however you want, and there's like a million different ways to do it, and that's one of the things that I love about the hobby the most. You could... You could there's, there's infinite amount of ways to participate. 100%. You know, that's when I'm set up at a card show and somebody comes to my booth that I've never seen before, or I just don't know. The first question I ask them is, you know, how do you approach the hobby? Because like you said, there's always, a, there's always someone else's approach that might open your eyes and actually influence you to be like, oh, I never thought of that. I'm going to I love that idea. You know, other people might give you, might, might tell you how they approach it. And you're like, that's for you, not for me. And that's fine too. But I agree, man, there, there is an infinite amount of ways to approach the hobby and I'm, I, for better, or for worse, a lot of, a lot of self-appointed, you know, hobby police like to criticize and attack how other people do approach it. And I think in some cases they, they're, they're onto something. And in, in other cases, they're just looking for something to pick on but really if you can be open-minded and understand that you only know what you know you don't know what everybody else knows and other people have had different experiences and are walking a different path in life that their approach might just be what makes the most sense for them and maybe isn't going to do any damage to you so let them be just let them be a little bit do you find it's hard to hard to navigate that i think 
Yeah, especially with like social media culture, I think that a lot of people think like they look at the content, I think, and then they're like, oh, I want to do it that way. Or they look at like someone buying a bunch of $5,000 cards. I want to go out and do that. But you don't really see the whole story. You don't see them putting in the work to, to build up to that level most of the time where they're going to buy the 20 to $50 cards and they're going to flip them for like 20, 50% profit and do that over and over again. So sometimes people get lost and they want to participate the way creators are participating. I think that, and yeah, I mean, I don't know, like a, a woman today at the shop brought in a Nolan Ryan rookie and it looked pretty nice. And I'm like, where'd you get it? And she's like, my dad had it. He just stashed it away for like a while. And it's like stories like that are crazy because the, he just had it in his house and doing nothing is also an option in participating in the hobby. If you just have your, your cards that you love and you put them in your display case in your house, you put them in your closet or whatever, and you wait, that's also a way to, to participate. And this guy probably had his card 10, 15 years ago. And now obviously cards like that have ex exponentially increased in value. She brings it in. She's going to get it graded. It's probably going to be like a five or a six. And it's like things like that, that, that woman might be in the hobby now. She might not, but she might stick around because she, it's a good experience. And I think that's something that we just want people to have good experiences. We shouldn't necessarily tell them how to do that. We could guide them, but we shouldn't show them like we shouldn't tell them do this. Mm -hmm. We should let them kind of figure their way, give them advice and guide them. But we got to, we got to let it happen organically. Present options, I think, is kind of what yes. you're getting at. Present options to people. And that's what, you know, even as somebody who's been in the hobby as long as I have, I'm still curious as to other people's approaches because I want to always expand my interest within the hobby. And I've been, I'm a Chad, it doesn't matter how long you're in the hobby for, you can still find new things to collect, new pathways, new genres. There's always, there's, there's so much out there. And I think that's one of the things I like the most about the hobby too, is that it never gets boring and stale, at least for me, but I have a wide interest. I'm not only a basketball collector who only collects, you know, the most modern players. I collect 1888 to 2023, all sports, non-sport, like a bunch of things. So I guess the, the more, the wider variety you have of interests, the, the better the experience in your, ho your hobby experience will be over a long longer period of time i think that's uh, the interesting thing though it's like we collect completely different things and it's like we could be we could still be good friends regardless exactly exactly so let me ask this do you have like a personal collection of cards that you are holding long term like you think i'm holding this forever like i don't ever want to sell it or are you set or are you only buying cards with the intention of you know selling them within the next year or two for a profit I, don't, I collect also, but I don't like to hold cards for like, let's say 10 years. I, I would rather hold a card for like three to five years and then like switch it out for something else. Because the way like I really just enjoy like the young players, like ever since I was young, I would always I would like only care about whoever was the like the top tier quarterbacks drafted in that rookie class. Like when Andrew Luck came in in 2012 and RG3, I was like watching the games rooting for the Colts and the Redskins. I wasn't rooting for like, I mean, I was rooting for the Giants too, 
but I didn't care about like the Brady's, the Peyton Mangs. I cared about like the, the young quarterbacks. I care about like when Zion's coming in or when, when uh, Anthony Bennett was the biggest bust of all time or wh- whoever's the big chase in Bowman. I care about that guy. It's just, it's just kind of the way that I do it. And that's kind of like, it's a parallel to like what we do with Blitz because we do all the new products. It's the stuff that me and my brothers all enjoy the most. And it's the stuff that we know the best. So we could give the customer the best value, the best experience because we've been doing it our whole lives. Well, if that's what you like, that's what you should be doing, right? What's going on? I have to ask, cause I was following your content. I don't know that I've seen much about this lately, but what's going on with Franz Wagner? Yeah, like he's a perfect example. I bought so many of his cards for the past like 18 months and most people think I'm crazy, but it's like, that's what I enjoy. It, it just so happens that the cost of prospecting it has been a little bit higher the past couple of years. So I've done it like a little bit less than let's say like 2019, 2018, but I still love to chase the prospects and Franz Wagner is a guy I think is going to be really good. He's got all the tools. I've been watching him for a long time. He's 6'10". He's a really good shooter. He could drive. He could pick and roll. And I think that a lot of the times, especially in basketball, it takes some guys like three, four years to become superstars. When you look at like Giannis, Kawhi, a bunch of guys like that, and then there's like a second level. So I like to buy guys because I think there's a chance that like stuff like that can happen. And honestly, like – I. I don't like to just talk money, but like a lot of people do like to hear it. Like the hobby is money's flying hands all day. I do like to talk about the collecting too. Like Franz is a guy that I'm putting away for the three to five years and I'm going to see what happens. But when you talk about like money, Luca was my main money maker overall. I would say that I would a good portion of like the money I have today came from buying Lucas singles in 2018. Everything was so cheap. I pretty much put every dollar I made into sports cards, every dollar I had. And I bought a ton of Luca, a ton, a ton of other players. And the other thing is too, it's like, I'm not like, I'm kind of younger. So I'm still formulating like different ways that I want to collect. You know what I'm like, like you, like you were saying before, there's always ways that collecting evolves, changes. So when I was 22, 23, it was, it was really prevalent to buy cards, send them to PSA and grade as a, as a money thing. And I would put away some cards, but I'm still kind of formulating the best way that I want to collect. I think that's a reasonable approach and just you're remaining open-minded and someone made a comment uh, down here, John says short-term Blez versus long-term Jeremy, because we are kind of opposites in our our horizon. I'm I buy for the most for the most part to hold long-term because I just want to own the cards. I enjoy owning them, and uh, you're you're a more short-term holder. But it, it, John's make it's an astute comment. In, in a way, we are kind of opposite in the way we approach it, but that's okay. The thing is, I respect the way you do it more. I'd rather do it like you. I'm just, it's just tough for me. It's just like the way I am as a person. It's, it's, it's like a deep-rooted thing. I understand. I hear you. Let's say a couple more comments here. Hockey Cards Plus, what's going on? Sebastian, 
Uh, Sean from Victory Investment says, when Seablez danced with his shirt off at that wedding, I immediately went out and bought a 53 tops Jackie Robinson. <laughs> that, that, that's a, a really interesting uh, set. I love to hear there. that. Yeah, that, <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. Joe says, does Seablez have any thoughts regarding the ultra modern basketball market? It seems like it is. it has some ground in relation to baseball and football. Has this shifted his prospecting at all? I think he means it seems like it has lost some ground in relation to baseball or football. Has this shifted your prospecting at all? That's a really good question. And honestly, it has. Like I said, like in 2020, 2021, it was a little bit harder to prospect. And I think now it's becoming it's becoming ripe. It's becoming prime to, to prospect again. I think starting at the National, or not starting at the National, but... I have a few guys, especially in basketball, that I have my eyes on. I'm probably going to look to pick up some high-end stuff. But I think that the basketball market overall, especially for modern, has come down the most relative to the other sports. And to me, that's good because now you can go buy it and you could go get it at a better price. And I'm not saying it's good. Like It's good for some, bad for others, obviously, but in terms of the question – it's good for buying and good for prospecting because it's, it's been hit the hardest. So I would say that if you want to go in on a, on a first-year basketball guy or a second-year basketball guy that's not the top guy, I think that it's a good time to come in. Agree, agree. Because the prices are lower. So, you know, it's, it's lower risk. Lower expenditure means lower risk if you're in it for, for that. Uh, Sean says the hobby is big enough for the Jay Lees, the C. Blezes, et cetera. John wants to know what are your thoughts on sports card radio's involvement in the hobby. You spoke to that a few minutes ago, John. So I'll get you to, if you don't mind, just rewind later. Uh, C. Blaz did give some thoughts on that already. Sports card lessons, Big Ken. Finding your hobby wolf pack makes the hobby a special place. It's always good to have friends, no doubt about it. Corey Carr says doing nothing is option is an option for participating in the hobby. That was a good quote. It, it seems almost funny, but it is true. Sometimes the best thing you can do is nothing and just take a break or or whatever. It, it, it is a funny it's a funny quote, but it it actually holds some water. I think. Speak. I speak to this for a second. Yeah. I saw a lot of people put in so much work in like 2021. And they're not going to get the same return that some people did putting in work now, putting in work five years ago, 10 years ago. Sometimes sitting truly is the best option. It's, it's, it's like a joke, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Corey, uh, we did that. Uh, Lashwine, good to see you. John says a diverse portfolio is key. I think that, that, that can't argue with that. Sean says, I have seen many times younger collectors that become longer term collectors as they become more stable in life. For many of them, flipping is helping them build stability. I think that's that's a that's a great point. You know, maybe if you are, say you're in your, your late teens, your early to mid 20s, late 20s, and you are flipping your way into some profits so that you can actually build yourself like a hobby business, even if it is being a dealer, which I don't need to say, even if it's being a dealer, if it is being a dealer, uh, it is a way to help level up. And you, if you, if you can be good at it, have you noticed some of your, your buddies, your contemporaries that you know in the hobby that have have they taken this approach, flip while you're young and build up a build up a stockpile and go from there? I think this is an approach that is one of the best approaches. 
you want to take you want to flip up and take your profit and either put it in cards or put it in cash but honestly i think that you want to flip your way up to put it in cards because then it leaves you a tremendous room of upside so by that i mean let's say you have like 50 cards and you can make like let's say you buy a 50 card lot for like 3000 and you're going to end up flipping it piecing it out all one by one and you sell all 50 cards for 3500 so you have you have 500 bucks profit and then if you take that 500 and you go to let's say optic football and you buy a Kenny Pickett auto and you grade it giving you even more upside it's like now you're into a Kenny Pickett auto graded for 500 which you're actually into it for free because that's your profit on the deal. So I see a lot of people take that strategy where they try to flip and then they'll put the money that they made flipping into like a card that has a ton of room and a ton of upside. And I've seen a ton of people my age just keep working their way up, leveling up. But I honestly think it's better to put it into cards than into cash. I don't think it makes sense to put it into cash because cash, as we know, is a depreciating, depreciating asset. I think not, I don't think I know it is it, it goes down. So I like to put the money in something that has an upside and in a player that I think could become something. So I would say when you flip up your money, you want to put it into a card that has, has room to grow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, Brent says he's smart with the younger players. You can't hold very long. Eventually the Pareto principle will take them to zero. Yeah, some of those you have to you have to get out quick. He goes on to say, I love the way anyone participates in the hobby. There are no rules. Many games within the meta game. I, I agree with I agree with Brent there, and we've said it already tonight, Chad, but there are so many ways to do this hobby, but there are also so many people waiting to attack and criticize you for doing it your way. And I just sometimes wonder, you know, why don't why don't those people just focus on themselves and just work on their own? Like every minute you spend criticizing somebody else and focusing your time and attention on somebody else you're taking away from leveling up your own game so can you do you have any insight at all into like why you find that people are so quick like what is it about this hobby that makes people so quick to look for reasons to attack others well, the one thing that I think, and this goes for just like content in general, because obviously these people are creators, because what other way would we all know about it? But I think that there needs to be both sides of the coin. It's like when you look at it from a perspective of a creator, when nobody's talking about something, it means there's room for like views, let's say, an opportunity to like do better. So you have people in cards that, most people talk hobby positivity and they all kind of talk the same thing. So then there's, there's an avenue of people that want to consume other content. And I think that people as a creator think that, and then it's like, Oh, I'm going to make content to appeal to those people. So I think that's kind of like, you see what I'm saying a little bit? Yeah. yeah you're kind of, it's kind of like some, some content creators are being pushed into that type of content, which is the the attack type content, I guess, because that's what you're saying. That's where they think they're going to get the most views. Whereas, you know, going on and showing your mail days or doing interviews with people like I do a lot of, or, you know, um, 
getting into the getting into the nitty gritty on an obscure set from the 1940s or 30s or 60s that very few people know about, you're not going to get a lot of views on that because it's it, it there's 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 no drama there. I think it comes down to, to drama a lot of the time and drama does sell. It does get the clicks. Uh, and I think I think there is a there is a function for that. There is a re, there is a use for that type of content when it is fair when it is fair and it is being looked at objectively logically and when the assumptions are kept to a minimum i think but that's just not the case that's not the case right now yeah no i i agree with you i i think it's it's tough people should be a little bit more hands off and, and worry about themselves i definitely agree with you on that I think they'd be better off. I think a lot of people would be better off if they just focused instead of focusing on other people, focus on focus on what you're doing uh, a lot of the time. And I think you'll you'll find that you probably uh, probably have a better experience overall. But maybe not. Some people are just born to be that way, I guess. Uh, Carlos wants to know, Chad, what are your thoughts on Victor Wembanyama? I want to see more. I would say everyone's hyping him up to be the best player in the league. I, I want to see more. I definitely think a guy of his size and his skill hasn't been seen before. So I think he he has upside that like no one else has. And that you can't tell from the the second summer league game or whatever, the first one, you, you really can't tell. That's not enough play. And the French league, I don't know much about it. So it's tough to compare it to, to American basketball. I just want to see like a body of work of 10 to 20 regular season games and see how he does. But I think that the players are speaking about him in a way that they rarely do. And if you notice that they're saying things about him that you don't really hear. So I think that's a good sign that he's probably going to be like a really good player right away. But I want to see, is he, has, does he have a chance to be like the best player or is he just going to be like a superstar type guy? Yeah. You know, it's funny. His cards sell for so much. He plays that first summer league game and all of a sudden he's a bust. You know, who knew if he if he had a stomachache that day or, you know, he had some like anything can happen to impact the player's game on any given night. I think you made the smartest comment in that you need to see more. You're not going to you're not going to give your a scouting report based on one or two games. Michael F says, I can't wait to see Seablaz live and up close that's always a treat see blaze is a treat live and up close for sure i assume he's talking about the national i assume too i assume as well sean says hockey will always be great gretzky lemieux crosby ovechkin mcdavid are always top bets see blaze are you aware of connor bedard i'm aware yes any 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 thoughts about picking up any of his cards when they start to come out I do like buying the young guns, but I heard that they're not like the top rookie card anymore. Well, they never really were. I, well, not maybe not never, but no, they're they're the they're like the prism base rookie for a player. They're they're the tops update rookie, or I shouldn't get into. I I should retract any baseball comment. I don't know enough about the products, but it's the it's the common card. It's it's not uh, it, it's not rare by any means. What's good like SB authentic and the cup, pretty much. Yep. 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 Right there, those two. It's the I RPAs think. from those. Yeah, RP. You get RPAs in the cup. In 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 SP authentic, you get what you get. You get the SP authentic future watch auto patches. So they're parallels. They're not true RCs. But to me, a rookie year 
rookie a rookie year patch auto is you know almost as good as a rookie card so i think they're great i like to rip hockey i'll definitely be ripping some next year i like because the products for hockey have been around for so long like i used to rip artifacts i used to rip regular upper deck i used to rip sp authentic obviously i didn't really do the cup because it was too much but i ripped a ton of hockey more like when i was younger because mm -hmm. in 05 06 i think it was a dual rookie class with crosby and ovechkin if i'm yeah yep. but i did that year and then i did hockey for a few years after that and i think i'll probably get back in for bedard nice well let's see how it goes i'm excited for his cards uh, to start coming out and just seeing what it does to the overall hobby uh darren says what up finally catch you yeah it's been a long time darren been keeping up on the pod though great continue to work my friend thank you very much darren good to see you john says this hobby equals it's my way or the highway and there are so many people there's so many i get dms all the time <laughs> from people who with that sort of sentiment and oftentimes not to give away my my trick or my secret i'll just say thumbs up and move along because i just can't some people you just can't reason with unfortunately but uh it is a lot of people do take that attitude john mosaic mind says is the core of the hobby collecting or dealing i think that's not a even really close it's not even close collecting well no collecting there's no dealing collecting is the most important thing in all of this by far i agree you've heard you've heard the saying that like every card needs a final home it needs a collector to want to own it for a card to really have value otherwise it's a game of hot potato does that make sense yeah i just think that even when you look at the people who are investing it's like you want to buy the cards that are collector type cards because you want to put it in the hands of a collector so i think that the collectors are by far the most important there's there's a million reasons why but the collectors are the backbone of the hobby by by a, a long shot i'll just say that yeah no i'm with you this the hobby is built on collecting but then john here says the core of the hobby is card companies making a profit in the end that's i don't think that's the core though john i, I think that's the reality i think that is the reality there they are profit driven that there's no doubt about it but but if their hard companies aren't going to be able to make a profit, there are collectors and there are dealers and there are flippers. There are so many different cogs in the overall hobby machine. And there's been more kind of created in the last few years, just with the uprise of the hobby and content and the pandemic that uh, the card companies are one of those cogs in the hobby machine, but they're not the only one, but John is not wrong. <laughs> if you just take out core, uh, my opinion, the hobby, the card companies are all about making a profit. There's no doubt about that. Mosaic says that's true. Dealing or collecting, we purchase their products. Very true. Michael F says it's financial. Look at any investment niche. They all blow up on gains or losses. No different. Anything that costs money that fluctuates will get this treatment. Uh, here's a comment, Chad, on, on Wembenyama. Uh, Tyson says he doesn't look very athletic. He doesn't even jump off the ground when he dunks. Small man flying through the air looks way cooler. Yeah, I, I agree with that. What do you what do you think about Wembenyama? Just and his, I mean his stature. Like he doesn't need to jump to dunk. Like that's that's crazy. I think he's saying he's talking about the collectability, saying that young guy or 
smaller guys usually sell better and they're usually more collectible and he's he's right usually the big guy in the history of the hobby gets disrespected a ton if you look at Embiid you look at Jokic their card prices don't sell near what a guy like Ja does or Luka or, or players and also when you take into account market cap which a lot of people don't and by that I mean when you look at Embiid and Jokic they were in 15 16 they didn't print near the amount of cards that they did today. So when you look at today, they have way more cards. And like the let's say an NTRPA of Ja sells for like 25 and an Embiid sells for Embiid sells for less to begin with. But a point that I'm making is a lot of the times people get lost in like it's hard to explain, but they just printed less back in the day. So if the same card sells for 500 of a player from back in the day, it's actually selling for a ton less because like the Moj, a, a silver prism 10 of Nikola Jokic is like 2k and Luca's like probably like 1500, like 1200, but it's like Luca actually sells for a ton more, even though he goes for less because there's so many more on the market. So uh, what I'm saying is, a lot of the players, especially in the last like four or five years, there's way more money in these players than the players from like 10 years ago and, and so on. Right. So I like think you, that you agree. Well, yeah, I was like, I, well, I think what you're saying is if you were just add up all the money that is invested into the Jokic prism silvers versus the, the, the Doncic prism silvers, even though Jokic sells for more, there's more money overall in the Doncic cards. Yeah, I said it the wrong way. There's more money in it. But basically, it's it's kind of weird the way it works. It's like, in my opinion, people should be taking pop counts more into, into a factor when it's such a, a drastic case like that. Jokic should be selling for way more if he was an equal talent than the, than the modern guys. But speaking to this, I think that overall, the fact that Wemby's a big, it's actually not going to hurt him in this case. But it does hurt a lot of other bigs. But I think Wemby coming in with so much hype and people think he's going to be one of the best players ever. So I think that if he kind of – if he becomes a top five player in the NBA, I think he'll be fine. I don't think the big man stigma will hurt him because he's going to be so high out of the gate. From a investing perspective, I think the problem is that it's, it's already built in or it's going to be already built in that he'll be a top five player. So it's going to be hard – to uh to be profitable in the short term i think on Wembenyama cards because they're already selling as if it's all happened it seems like billy joe says positivity is hey congrats on your pickups negativity is hey your cards stink you're an idiot yeah it's easy to say the negative things uh over behind your keyboard for sure cards ah i think there is a lot of hate lately for the influencer and content creators which i think stems from being active during the covid boom Goes on to say, encouraging people and trying to grow the hobby during that time does not, in my opinion, make them complicit in anything nefarious. I completely agree with that. Cards AH. I think a lot of people just need need others to. Uh, they just need somebody to blame for for their own mindset at any given time. Um, unfortunately, Ben Diamond says, "I'd rather pay more for a known commodity than a prospect." That's my lane. That's mine too. And. Uh, Nothing, nothing at all wrong with that. Darren says, I think it's part collect to deal and part deal to collect the yin and the yang. It's an interesting way to look at it. That does, uh, that does make sense to me. Make sense to you as well. I agree with that. 
Carlo says, tell us your thoughts on fanatics essentially taking over most or all aspects of the hobby. Is it good or bad? Is it a monopoly? Why don't you go first, Chad? I'll, uh, I'll come up uh, after. I think it's going to be good, but I think we also have to wait and see more like the Wembenyana situation. But I think that they've already done some good things that I like, like the MVP buyback program I thought was great. I think they're making a lot of good additions to certain tops products for baseball, but it's going to be tough. I mean, we, we got to see more of what happens basketball, football right now. Panini is still making the cards. And I think that, I think the fact like fanatics events, speaking to that, I think that could be game changing to the card show in, in sports cards, because you see, they have they're tied in with the leagues. They the the players have a piece of the pie now, and I think that that's going to really incentivize them to want to do more. I think you could see athletes coming to these card shows, and I think they're going to be more involved in the hobby. And I think that a lot of people are going to gravitate towards that and want to come in the hobby because I think fanatics is going to change certain things that will make it appealing to a, a bigger audience. And I think. We have a lot of people in the hobby now that are diehards that have been here for a long time. And I think we need to do a better job of appealing to the casual sports fan out there. And I think that's something that fanatics should be able to do very well. And I hope that they get it done because I want to see the hobby grow and I want to see it become a better place. And I think that the fact that they're doing so much in the sports landscape already, I think it's a big leg up for the hobby. If you look at like the other companies, Panini, Tops, Upper Deck, Fanatics is the biggest in sports. So they have the biggest advantage to try to convert people who are sports fans to try to be card collectors. And I think that's going to be the most pivotal thing of the next five to 10 years, converting those people into becoming sports card collectors. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Fanatics does have the best shot at, convert, at that conversion from fan to collector, to hobbyist. And, but I'm, I'm going to address this monopoly part that Carlos puts at the end of this question, uh, because I don't, I don't think a lot of people know what a monopoly is because we hear this term getting thrown out everywhere in the hobby, but Fanatics is not a monopoly. Fanatics, the only thing they have a monopoly on is the same monopoly that we've been used to for the past 15 years, which is NBA and NFL cards and eventually MLB cards as well. That's the only thing they have on a monopoly. No, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. What do you mean? They, they have MLB and they're getting. Sorry. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, so, okay. Thank you for that. So the, all they're, all they have a monopoly on is the ability to produce cards. The fact that they have an auction house, they have a live shopping platform. They have, they, people are speculating they're going to have a grading company. They have a pricing tool. They have an event company now. These are all different businesses in different in different areas that all have competition. Not one thing I just mentioned doesn't have competition. There's several live shopping platforms, several grading companies if they're going to acquire one, other pricing and data tools, tons of auction houses, other there's always going to be other card shows no matter what Fanatics does. So they're they have competition in all of these other areas. So Fanatics is not a monopoly. They are not becoming a monopoly. The correct word that people need to, to really use if they want to actually speak about a property is conglomerate. They, Fanatics is a conglomerate in the sports 
card memorabilia, betting, apparel, all the autograph, they're, they're a conglomerate. They are not a monopoly. And listen, it's just semantics, I guess. But if you just want to, if you want to use the right word, the word is conglomerate. It is simply just not monopoly. Um, okay. Wait, Do you wait, have wait. any follow-up on that, Chad? I just want to say that thank you. And I appreciate that explanation because I didn't, I didn't clearly understand the whole situation. And I think you just cleared it up. So I appreciate that. Okay, well, yeah, you, you are more than welcome. Um, okay, so with that, Leighton Sheldon from Just Collect Vintage Breaks has joined us for the Vintage Spotlight Chat. So let's bring Leighton on for about 10 minutes and uh, get his thoughts on things. Leighton Sheldon, who comes on the show every Saturday for the Vintage Spotlight, a great sponsor of Sports Cards Live. Leighton, have you, do you know Chad? Have you guys met? Uh, I don't know if we've met in person, but I think we've connected online. Well, nice to talk to you face to face. And you guys will see each other at the national. Layton, let's let's hear from you. Uh, first of all, I mean, man, I'm following your reels on Instagram. Lots of great stuff. What are you? What is going on right now? How excited are you for next week in the national? And uh, where are you at right now, buddy? Oh, listen, I can taste Bobby Chins. I can taste Gibsons. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, listen, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, I am going to miss my son, uh, who's eight years old, Crosby. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of years, he will make it to a national. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, I think that uh, most people are excited about the national. And, you know, listen, there's a lot going on these days, right, about social media, just being positive. And um, listen, you know, prices are down. Sure, prices aren't down in every single card. Um, and the thing is, there's so much to be excited about. So even if you're going to the national simply as an attendee and you're going there, you're going to drink, you know, uh, um, you know, a Sprite or a Coke and you get a pretzel. You're just going to walk around. You're not going to buy anything. It's still such a wonderful experience. So I'm uh, really looking forward to the convention. And if you have anything big, plan, anything you want to let the audience know you have planned it at your booth or your booths at the national. And also, yeah. before you answer, Chad, I did ask you if you could come up with a question for Leighton that is related to vintage, which isn't your jam, but maybe you have a question. So after he answers, I'll, we'll get you to tee that one up. Yeah, please. Looking forward to it, Chad. So uh, next Saturday, our main event for Vintage Breaks of the National, we've teamed up with Fanatics. And we are one of their sellers on their new app. And we are offering a 1967 Topps Baseball Second Series Rack Pack in conjunction with Fanatics on their new app. And we plan to open it with Jeff Wilson from Sports Card Investor next Saturday at 3 o'clock, live from the National Sports Collectors Convention. And for those that don't know, the Second Series of 1967 Topps Baseball is also known as the Mickey Mantle Series. There are 36 chances at Mickey Mantle in the pack, 36 cards, and we're hoping to sell it out and open it next Saturday night or next Saturday afternoon. Very excited. That sounds pretty good. Cool. Now, now that you you inform us that you are doing this with uh, Jeff Wilson, sports card investor, there will be tons of content out there on this for people to see this rack pack being open. So uh, good to hear, man. Good luck with that. And I uh, look forward to seeing you at the National in just a few days. Chad? Anything uh, you want to, you got to ask Leighton? Yeah, I was, I appreciate your time, Leighton. Uh, my question was, it's regarding taking cards out. I, I think that I was thinking of a strategy where I would buy like, S, or uh, 
PSA threes, fours, fives, and try to crack them out, send them to SGC and see, because the SGC grade value or whatever they charge for grading, I don't think it goes up if the card's like worth more. I know PSA does. So I was thinking I wanted to buy a ton of like Beckett and PSA, like low grade vintage and crack it out and send it to SGC. Do you think there's an opportunity there? Great question, Chad. I appreciate uh, the opportunity, of course, to be on and answer it. Uh, so first thing is to clarify, SGC, I believe, has a special on football cards at the moment where they're not upcharging, I believe. I don't know if they changed that special, but SGC still does charge on value. So, for example, I just submitted a 33 Gaudi Ruth to them, and through their system, I forgot the declared values, like $10,000 or $15,000, whatever it is. You can't submit it for 15 bucks. The system won't allow you. So I don't know that they charge the same structure as far as when cards, you know, start to cross a thousand, two thousand, etc. But I can tell you firsthand, you're not able to, you know, grade a Gaudi Bay Ruth for nine dollars. It does tear up as the value goes up. But do you think that, like, if you have like a twenty thousand dollar PSA card, they're going to charge you like fifteen hundred? Do you think for SGC they're going to charge you like an exorbitant amount potentially, or no, is it going to be like I, whatever I the two bay is? I don't want to misquote Chad. It's a great question. I think twenty thousand is going to be like five hundred or a thousand bucks. So it might not be fifteen hundred, but it's not going to be you know pennies. It's not going to be nine bucks. I appreciate the answer. Can I? Kyle asked like a another little like another one or? Oh yeah. sure. Well, I also wanted to answer your question about you know converting low grade from PSA or Beckett over to SGC. So I thought that was a really good question. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the standards, although they're similar, they are different uh, across the respective grading companies. So you ask a wonderful question. I think it's too hard to give you a broad answer, but if I could drill down, yes, it is possible, Chad, that you could go to the National, I'm making it up, and buy a 33 Gaudi, Tris speaker in a PSA two or three. And you're right. There's a chance that SGC might look at it on their scale and maybe they're going to say it's a three or a four, but I want to caution the viewers who are watching just because it's going to grade higher. As you said, Chad, consider the grading cost to take it from one holder to the other, consider your risk because nothing's guaranteed. And then also consider the selling price. Just because, and you know this, Chad, better than most who are watching the show tonight, just because you get a four with one respective company versus a three with another, that doesn't always ensure it's going to sell for what you need it to sell for to be profitable. I appreciate the answer. No, I, I was kind of jumping ahead, so I, I'm sorry for doing that. Oh, good. No, no, no problem at all, Chad. Any other, anything you want to ask him? Because uh, now's the time. And it's all good. What do you think in for vintage? Like, is SGC the top or is PS like? How do, what's the ranking and grade? Wow, you're you're really you're really sticking it to me. So I don't know if my friends from both companies are watching. I'll do my best to answer it uh, accurately <laughs> as well as diplomatically, Chad. Um, so you're asking me if I had a vintage card, who I would grade it with? No, I'm I'm more saying like, which company. What are they special? Like, is one baseball, is one oh, basketball? Sure. Like, is is one question. like certain older years versus sure. others? 
So the thing is, is that, you know, PSA is still clearly the biggest grader, right? By volume, by the total number of submissions, by their market, um, you know, cap, so on and so forth. However, SGC has a great reputation in vintage, specifically baseball, and stuff from the turn of the century, like you're talking T206s. Forget about value, uh, Chad. Great question. There's a lot of folks, once again, putting aside the value that really enjoy. They like the way that a T206 card looks in an SGC holder because it's a white card against a black background. And I'm not a design guy, but I've seen them and they kind of pop in the holder versus when you look at a T206, for example, in a PSA holder, I can see why, once again, value aside, you might prefer the way it looks in a SGC black bordered holder versus PSA, for example. Yeah, so I, I guess with modern, it's similar. It's, it's, it's case by case, like whatever you like, if you're collecting, it's whatever you like. Yeah, and you know, listen, if there's a particular advantage being financial to grade one versus the other, you know as well as I do, there's still some people who are hard, hard line, like a respective company, and they're not going to change. So there's that arbitrage that people always talk about that might be available at the national, right? Someone only wanted to grade with Beckett, and you're like, wait a minute, I don't understand why this card's not the PSA holder. And then, you know, you look at the numbers, you're like, look at the card again, you look back at the numbers, you're like, you know what, I'm going to take a shot, I'll buy the card. Because the thing in modern, I'm, I'm sure as you know, but I'm just relating it, it's like... Cracking is, it's, it's, people do it all the time. Go from Beckett to PSA, SGC to PSA. They're more trying to do it for like a financial thing, I would say, in the modern day. And I think the older cards, people are trying to do it for like looks. But you see, it, it's a very common thing that people are trying to crack out to make a spread on a, on a 0.5 difference grade or something like that. I think that, uh, I'm very well aware of it. I think that used to be a lot more prevalent in vintage. It still happens. But as they've raised the grading fees, as, as you brought up you know, a little bit ago, it's become more challenging to go out and take said vintage card that's worth $10,000 or $5,000. And just because it's worth the next grade, you're going to have to pay a substantial amount of money in grading fees. And remember, it's not guaranteed. So it's still going on out there. Um, and it'll still be done, you know, next week at the national. It just, I, I don't believe it's as easy to do for financial gain as it used to be. I mean, me personally, I don't think a card should ever be out of a case that it's in first. I think that like cracking shouldn't be a thing me personally, but I know that people do it. So I was just curious and I appreciate you answering the question. No, my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Well, yeah, great questions, Chad. Layton, thank you for stopping by. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you in a few days at the National in Rosemont, Illinois, which a lot of people just call Chicago, and that's just more convenient and easier. Yeah, listen, make sure you bring your uh, walking shoes. Uh, it's going to be a great convention. I'm looking forward to seeing both of you next week. Thanks, Layton. Take care, bud. See you next week. All right, Chad. Let's get right back into the comments because we have lots of them. Michael F. says... That uh, all love, uh, he'll chat with you there. Michael F will chat with you. I think he's talking to you. The professor, good evening. Good to see you. Adam Crawford says, young guns are great if you buy the rare parallels, the exclusives, the high gloss, and there are more. That's a great point, actually, Chad. I'm not a, I don't collect young guns. I don't invest in young guns. 
I just don't want to, I don't really want to hold the card that, you know, that there's tens and tens of thousands of, uh, outside of, outside of vintage. Um, that's how I, that's how I'm rolling. So, but there are some really good parallels that are rare and high, highly pursued. So a good option. I appreciate that answer, Adam. That makes sense. Go, go for the rare ones. Exactly. Uh, Casey it's Reed says the hobby is alive. It is especially tonight. Professor says, based on your comments, Jeremy, and that of Josh, I am learning more about Synergy from Upper Deck, a, a really nice product. John says, Ultimate Premier Exquisite are also great Upper Deck premium brands. We have Caton in the room says, yeah, without collecting, there's no dealing. Exactly. Michael F says, watch the flippers run straight to hockey with the hype next year. That is no doubt going to happen. No doubt. Zach says, you could say this entire world and society is about making a profit. That's a good point. It's so true. So when somebody attacks somebody else for trying to make some money, it's like, well, you got, you're making money too. Like you, yeah, but there are ways to make money that I think in the hobby that are looked at more favorably than others, especially, you know, if you're talking about, you know, doing things that are just wrong, fraudulent, uh, misleading, the whole, you know, chill bidding, trimming, all these things that people, uh, that, that are not, uh, not cool. But um, Zach makes a good point there, Chad. Uh, Mosaic Mind. I'll, I'll be back in like 30 seconds. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll hold it down. I'll, I will hold down the fort for sure. Mosaic Mind says the collectors are everything in this hobby. They are the foundation. Certainly agree with you on that, Mosaic. Michael F. says CBuzz is spitting truth. Look at production in early 2000 and parallels compared to today, no no doubt about that for sure. Joe Perot will have to wait for Seablez to get back for that one. John says McDavid was priced in to win four Stanley Cups in 2016. John, you are right. You are right. And that's but he's not alone, right? All all prospects, all, all prospects that are highly touted have all this baked into them right away before they even step step foot on the court, the ice, the field. They are already they already have these things uh, built right into their to their values. So no doubt here, Chad. John just said McDavid was priced in to win four Stanley Cups in in his cards back in 2016, and that just ties into what we were saying about Wembenyama earlier, where he's already it's already priced in that he's going to be a top five basketball player of all time. So uh, we had a question back here from Joe. Chad, he wants to know what do you what do you what are your thoughts on on Shohei Otani? What has he meant to baseball and the hobby in general? Massive for the hobby, and I think I, I think that he is getting not enough hype. I think he needs more hype from like the national media because I honestly think he's the best player of all time. I know you got to do it for like a length of time, but I like to go based on like talent and when you're at your peak. And I think that Otani, he's he, he's obviously one of the best players ever. And he's brought in a ton of new people to the hobby. I remember back in 2018, we were breaking Bowman, which is the product that he was originally in. And a lot of our customers said that they came into the hobby because they were chasing Otani. And that's a common thing that happens when you have such a big prospect. It's going to happen again this year with Wemby and with Bedard. Both of those guys are going to bring people back in. There's certain guys out there that probably only collected for Ovechkin Crosby's year. Yeah. They probably came back for McDavid. And now they're probably going to come back for Bedard. 
And the same thing happens in the other sports from what I've seen. And Otani was definitely a player that was transcendent to not only baseball, but card collecting too, because I, I, I think you're going to see a lot of players doing pitching and hitting going forward. Because when you look at basketball, a guy like Steph Curry, he started taking threes more than anyone else. And he was doing it at a high clip. And then you see all these kids coming in and now the whole league shoots threes. So I think Otani, a lot of the people, the kids seeing him play today are going to want to be like him and they're going to start try to, trying to do both. So I think he's going to have, um, even when he's not playing in the future, I think Otani's going to have a massive impact on baseball in general. And he's already had a massive impact on the whole hobby. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Mark Santucci says players from 10 years ago might not be playing, but the players that are playing today have more interest. I think that's a true statement that, you know, it, it's why so many people, let yourself included, are, are drawn to the current players, the young players, because you like the, op the opportunity to pick the guy who becomes a major superstar, and they're playing today. You can follow them day to day. The retired guys, their records are written. It's done. But it depends where your nostalgia lies, probably sometimes, and not in all cases, but sometimes how old you are. A lot of people, even young guys, like to learn the history, go back and collect older cards. And some guys just want to collect the players that they can go watch playing today. I think both approaches are fine. I have a question for you. So so Bedard's coming in. How do you go about, like, collecting a guy like Bedard? I don't. Slash, slash like, the past few years, do you touch the new guys at all? Not really. I mean very very little i just i i've learned and seen it i've just seen it over and over again chad that if you you know it's like it's like that first the first connor bedard young guns that hits ebay for example will probably be among the most expensive connor bedard young guns ever sold is they only tend to come down from there it's just it's just the nature of the hobby because people are going to move on to the next player eventually so uh yeah i mean I just stay away. Now, with Connor McDavid, I stayed away. That ended up hurting me in the end because I had to spend more money to get his cards once I realized that I, that he was the real deal and I wanted some of his cards in my collection. So it doesn't always work. But it doesn't always work, I should say, from a financial perspective. But that's okay. I don't. I sleep better at night knowing that the cards that I'm sitting on are going to more or less move with the economy versus what somebody does on the court or behind a microphone on any given day. So you, you want to see greatness. And so you, so if I went to your house right now, I wouldn't see like any players that aren't like at least all stars for like five years. Very few. I have a couple Jake Ottinger cards and I have a couple Jason Robertson cards. Other than that, like two Dallas stars players that I just, I like, but is Robertson, I, I think I heard when I was watching the game once, he's like one of the only Filipino players. Is that, is he? He looks like he has some Asian he's influence Asian. in him. I don't know what, what country exactly, but uh, that doesn't surprise me that he has some percent Asian in him. He's good. He's really good. He's good, yeah. So I have a couple cards of him, a couple of Ottingers, but that's like it. Otherwise, it's pretty much... Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Ovechkin, Gretzky, 
and you know a few i i have a i've got like 40 player collections so i've got across all sports so i have a bunch but most of them are done like they're either their careers are over or they are like guaranteed hall of famers all right let's keep let's keep on going here lots of lots of great comments I want to thank the chat for that mosaic mind says do grading companies especially psa have too much influence on the levers that animate the hobby are cards valued more than grades and slabs or vice versa that's a that's a that, that's a big question that could have a long answer chad i'm I'll, I'll throw my thoughts really quickly which is quite simply that i call it the psa spell that a lot of the hobby is under and it's just it's just based on the brand it's not based on the quality of the service the quality of the slab it's simply based on the the quality of building that brand over 30 plus 30 or so years so but i think more people now are moving towards buying a card that they like versus you know just a card in a slab that says psa 7 you know a lot of people would rather have a five than a seven in some case like a specific five over a specific seven because the five is a nicer card than the seven so those are my thoughts i'll leave those there what about you chad anything to add on I don't understand the question. Then let's let him clarify and go on because it was, it was a tough okay. one to understand. I, I agree. I agree. Paul Raff, welcome to the show, says, just trying to learn here. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate having you, Paul. Welcome to Sports Cards Live tonight. Cobra Diamond says, Fanatics, it is a monopoly, but they will wedge out some local card shops. As you know, I, I, I disagree. It is not. They are not a monopoly. Uh, will they wedge out some local card shops? I think so, because they're going to be able to instill standards upon upon card shops that they sell to. And if those card shops don't meet their standards, they might not they might cut them off because they don't want that atmosphere representing uh, the way they want their product and maybe even the greater hobby to, to appear. What do you think? That's not wedging out, though. That's saying that we want certain standards. And if it's not up to these standards, it's not good enough. So that's more on the shop. Than, than the than fanatics in my opinion i think that's a good thing if I the agree. shop isn't on the standards we don't want it anyway i i think you're right and i think you're right on on what you just said there i think that it will cause some attrition because some of these old school shop owners just won't be able to get their shop cleaned up in time because these shops have been accumulating piles and piles of product and dust for decades at this point so We'll see, but it would be nice. Uh, it would be nice if, if those guys could adapt as well. We'll see. Stuke says, "Will fanatics at a fanatics show dictate what products dealers can sell?" I think they probably would have that power if they wanted to exercise. I don't think it would be a good move, but I think they could probably do it. Will they? I, I don't think so, but I don't know. It depends how they organize and run these things. Do you have any thoughts on that, Chad? In my opinion, they, they're going to want as much stuff to sell as possible of everything. So I don't think limiting it would really be a great idea. Yeah, no, there's, a, there's some comments coming up that allow us to even expand further. Mosaic Mind says if Fanatics owns all of those assets that profoundly affect the hobby, they are going to ruin it, I fear. What are the ultimate goals of the investors behind Fanatics? <laughs> that last question is funny because the, the answer is obvious. The ultimate goals of the investors behind Fanatics are is to make money. That's like the moment Fanatics IPOs or collectors IPOs is I don't believe is good for the hobby because then it's all about 
quarterly earnings and and catering to the investor, not the customer, even though maybe Fanatics will be better than that and they will cater to the customer and hope that that will, in the long term, provide value to the investor. But the IPO in and of itself is a liquid is a liquidity event for for the early the early investors, and then depends which ones stay on and and continue the original vision. Uh, that it, it it just remains to be seen. But um, but I will they ruin this. it? I don't know. It really depends too, Chad. I think on their on their horizon, are they looking for a long term stay in the hobby or a short term stay? I think they're looking long term. I think. I just think that. It's a great question, but I think that the term ruin the hobby, like I really don't know what that means, because if we all participate in the hobby in a different way, we all can't have it ruined or be better in the same way. So I think that it's just it doesn't the question doesn't make sense. What are they going to ruin and how based on the way that you collect? It's like a general question, but like I don't understand what that question means because you can participate in the hobby any way you want. You don't have to, they're, they're going to be heavily involved in the newer product, I think. And then they're going to have an auction house fanatics events. You don't have to participate in that angle of the hobby if you don't want to. So it's like everyone it's, we don't need a negative attitude going forward. I think everyone should just participate the way that they want. And if we think they're going to ruin it, then usually when you think something, it ends up happening. So it's worth thinking the positive instead of the negative. That's just my thoughts. I, I agree. I agree. I, I will. I will add that I think the only thing that Fanatics has the actually has the power to you know quote unquote ruin are the sports cards that have yet to come out in the future because they have no power over the first hundred and forty years of hobby content and i mean card content not not you know video or instagram i mean the actual content that we're collecting the cardboard itself they have no power over that now you might say yeah but they're gonna have fanatics events and a grading company and an auction house and a pricing tool maybe well sure but those all have competition fanatics events will not be the only card shows you're still gonna have your local shows your monthly shows your regional shows they're not gonna be the only card show in town so they're not gonna have any control over vintage cards. Now, they have, if they have a grading company, there's, there will be com competing grading companies. So they're not gonna be the only company that can grade a vintage card anymore. And, and let's face it, I gotta think 80% of vintage cards that are grade worthy have already been graded. Maybe more, maybe it's 90% have been graded already so that are worthy of it. So I don't think Fanatics has the power to ruin the hobby unless you to, to unless you let them ruin it for you, and it's going to be up to everybody individually to let them ruin it for you, or the only thing, your only involvement in the hobby is the next product to come out in the one app, like are the, the future products, because you don't go back in time. A lot of us go back in time. And for us, Fanatics has no impact on our day-to-day -day collecting. Uh, very little. Hopefully, they will have a positive. Hopefully, the Fanatics events will be wonderful. Hopefully... They buy, they, they buy or create a grading company that can fix some of the problems that the current grading companies have. Hopefully, you know, if they, live shopping, you know, they've, they've, they've added some new regulations to live shopping, how many cameras you need, no, no random stuff. I mean, these are things that I think are probably good to protect and to, to actually, you know, ensure 
that live shopping and group breaking can survive. Can get, but then again, companies that don't fall under their jurisdiction will continue doing what they, they're doing and be competition. So it's not going to be a monopoly that way either. I mean, if you take a person like you, this is a perfect example. You, you don't do much with the new products. You can't. It's either going to stay the same, your collecting experience, or it's going to be better. There, there's no other options. So it's like you're a perfect example of someone that it's not going to really change much if you don't want it to. Exactly. Exactly. Ben Diamond says, I think the profit incentive will lead them to develop new and better cards that blow away anything Panini made. If not, who's going to pay up for them? Goes on to say, if the product sucks, I ain't paying for it. And they have had the license for 20 Sorry, and they have the license for 20 years, more incentive not to mess around and gouge us to death in year one. I, I think that's, I, I want that to be right because they have to go in with a long-term vision, Fanatics, and not a short-term vision. Like right now, you have to think Panini is a very short-term thinker because they're about to, to lose their licenses, right? Tops retained it under new ownership for baseball. Upper Deck is just clear of Fanatics altogether, it seems. So... I agree with with Ben here that they have they also have league league ownership and and partnership investment. So I don't think they're gonna mess it up right away. I mean, I think they're gonna be better run than that. I said recently, and I put it out on a, on a reel that Fanatics is the kind of company I believe that will they will fail. They will not like go out of business fail, but they will have little little hiccups here and there, little small failures. But they will fail fast because a good company, a well, a company under good leadership, they fail fast. Okay, that didn't work. Switch, pivot, adapt, and and try again. You don't you don't have success without failure. And I don't think that 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 Fanatics is going to be immune to that when it comes to collectibles and sports cards. And it just depends on how they respond to the hiccups that they that they have along the way. I agree. And, and I think Ben's making a really good point. Fanatics is in it for the long haul, as you could see with, I, I think it's, they said it's like a 15, 20 year thing where they have the license. So I think that they want things to be good in year three to year 20. It's not just about the now. It's more of a total sum game. So I think that Ben's making a really good point that they're going to try to keep it to where it's, it's an elevated experience on all fronts. Not for just now, but for the future. Well, here, Hobby Champ says, Fanatics owning a third-party grading company makes zero sense. There's a reason they are called third-party grading. It would be FPG if they have their own first-person grading, I'm thinking. And that's a conflict of interest. No one would sub with them. Mm, I wonder if no one would sub with them. Um, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. But uh, time will time will definitely tell. And I just wonder, not saying one way or the other, Triple V says it blows my mind that anybody would want things to stay the way they are today, especially when dissecting Panini's QC product saturation and non-game worn patches and redemption ineptitude. Um, fair, fair enough. Fair enough, I guess. Anything to say to that, Chad? I mean, a lot of this stuff isn't as easy as people think it is. I'll just say that. When you're producing more and more cards every, and you're you're getting more autographs that are supposed to be in your products and, and it ultimately comes down to the player and it's it's the matter of are they going to sign the cards or not and you have these players who are making so much money especially the top ones which are the players that everybody wants their autographs 
And the fact that they're making so much more money than they than they used to, I think that it might make it a little bit tougher to get them. So I think that a lot of this stuff, it's just not as easy as people think. Fair. And I, and I would tend to agree. I'm going to do a couple more uh, Fanatics comments. I just want to get off the Fanatics topic and move on to, to something that's more about Blaise. Uh, Mosaic, if Fanatics decide that cards themselves are undervalued, they'll raise prices. Why wouldn't they? There's higher profits to be made by pricing out lower income hobbyists. Investment follows the money. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that that's kind of a an easy thing to think. But if you are really thinking long term, you need to bring in that lower uh, socioeconomic demographic because those those kids end up getting jobs, making money, you know, 25, 30 years down the road. And if fanatics really wants to grow this, they have to be thinking long term. And so I don't know that I agree that that's what they would do. Just raise the prices because it's going to it's also going to upset a lot of people along the way. Uh, so I don't know that I that I buy that I. I buy that um, actually. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, ben says my opinion is there's more money to be made if you make the product more accessible. That's exactly what I'm saying. Not less, but he says he could be wrong. Yeah, we could be wrong, Ben, but I. I don't think we are. I think that's the way to go. John says no. Nathan McKinnon love. Yeah, I, I like Nate McKinnon too, John. And same <laughs> to you, Mike. Yeah, McKinnon's a, McKinnon's a, a good player as well. Okay, I'm. Lots, lots of fanatics talk, but I'm just going to skip by the rest of it now, Chad, and just talk more about uh, about you. I titled this episode "Being Seablez" because I knew it was going to be a big hodgepodge of topics. So that's so all I could come up with for a title. But let's um, let's talk about your a bit about your transition or your your kind of trending in your content towards more of the, the gambling, the, the betting, sharing your tickets, you know, showing your your actual tickets uh from the from the sports desks uh and talk about that what what is it how, how are you doing with gambling is it something with sports gambling is it something that you plan to spend a lot of time on you're going to go back more back towards cards have you reduced your activity with cards to, to, to spend more time on gambling number one i haven't reduced my activity with cards but i'm just showing more of what i do betting I, i've been betting for a, a long time i would say like probably about 10 years. And I think that, I mean, I, I love, I love making content as like a, as an additional thing. I think as people, we can, we love multiple things. I love most things that have to do with sports. So like, I, it's not just cards for me, it's betting, it's, it's watching the games. It's, it's like following up with, with the teams and seeing what's happening. So I would say that, yeah, I've, I've made, a bunch of sports betting videos, but I think that I'm also going to continue to make card videos. I'm going to do a mixture of both, which I have been doing for a long time, but it's just been like, I would say 80% cards. Now it might be 60, 40, 70, 30, something like that. But I like to just mix it up because I, content wise, like my strategy is to just like show what I'm doing pretty much. And just like, kind of be open and transparent but i think that sports betting is an audience that could be very similar to people who do cards so if i go out there and i make a bunch of sports betting videos and i pick up an audience of sports gamblers i think that when they see my card videos it's actually doing a, a conversion i don't know what percent it's converting but i think people 
are coming into my content for one thing, they might be seeing something else and they might get drawn to it. So I'm kind of trying to do a thing that's helping out the entire hobby by making content of something that's closely related. And I think Fanatics is involved with sports betting too. I'm not positive on that. But I think that the industries are very close. And I think that I could convert some people to be card people, which is the ultimate goal. You know, like uh, Hockey Cards Plus says here, games are more interesting and fun to watch when you have money on the line, whether it's, you know, fantasy sports or just straight, you know, gambling on, on the teams to win, prop bets. It is it is fun. I did some DFS during the Stanley Cup playoffs. It does make the games more more interesting and you know you want you want to see every every goal and all the points that are that are being doled out and all all the other type of stats it, it, it is exciting but as far as the sports betting goes do you look at sport for yourself do you look at sports betting as a potential income stream or revenue stream do you feel like you have an edge or are you really doing it to make content because you like it it's entertainment how do you how do you how, do, how are you approaching it i mean i am better at betting certain things than others but I just love to gamble. Like I, <laughs> I play poker. I, I just love, I, I like action. Like I like, I like things moving fast. Like I, I like, like sometimes I'll bet on the first inning just because I want to get a bet quick and I just want action. But it's like, I, I would say that in football, I'm a profitable better. But, like, I'm betting a lot of baseball right now just because, like, it's the only thing on. But I like to bet mostly on football, basketball, and then college sports I'm actually pretty good at. But I don't think that – I mean, baseball's tough. Baseball's tough. Yeah, I can go any way on any given day, right? For sure, for sure. Uh, the Hobby with Cage says, C. Blaise is a legend. See you at the National. We will see you there, Cage, if you're still in the room. Good to see you. Uh, I'm excited to see you, Cage, at the National. There you go. There you go. Uh, Mosaic, another Fanatics comment, but I want to do this. He says, I hope you're right. I'm just being devil's advocate. Fanatics represents a big, sudden investment in the hobby. They strong-armed tops. I'm suspicious of their game plan. I think that's fair. My my only rebuttal to that, or just response even, is that when you have the leagues invested, they are accountable to the leagues. And I think that's going to almost, that's like a safety net. I, I, I hope that's a safety net for the hobby that because of that, they will have the long term of the hobby uh, at the forefront of their strategic planning. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I, I hope it is, but it, it's really tough to, uh, to say it will be for sure. There, there was a follow-up comment to this. Someone made a comment about if the is is the Fanatics IPO going to have an impact on on things? And I think I think it does. Oh, right here, John says, "Do you think a Fanatics IPO will affect the quality of the cardboard gradually over the years?" Listen, I just know from working in corporate America, uh, in 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 M and A, and in you know with taking companies public, I can just tell you that the amount of resources that get poured into a company that goes from being private to public is immense. The amount you now need, you now need to build a compliance department, your financial reporting department grows, 
the amount of money you spend on shareholder communications is it's amazing like millions of dollars a year get spent just to mail things to your shareholders through through the uh through the uh what are they called the intermediaries there so it's it's and then that money has to come from somewhere that's what i'm getting at. money has to come from somewhere and it's probably going to come from revenue so take it for what it is i am not a fan of hobby companies going public personally i don't like that as in the future but to the comment from mosaic about the uh the comment that mosaic put about being being suspicious of, of the strategy or the plan is that yeah you go public and that's your liquidity event that's when that's when those early investors get out with a handsome profit in many cases and what happens from there i can tell you the last company i worked with i worked at we went public and i cringed at how how much time we had to spend on on compliance and everything that goes along with it and then we were acquired by another company and they they just ruined the company they just ruined it so it can happen. It can definitely happen. Sorry, Chad, I'm kind of on a tangent there, but anything you want to add to anything I just said? No, I was just trying to listen to you. I, I, I don't know much about stuff like that. I love that you just say it and don't pretend to know anything that you don't. Because a lot of people will just will just pretend. Uh, let's see. Michael says, Sibla should keep it all going. He's playing all angles and cards are the best hedge for gambling. Do you, do you I consider that. cards to be a bit of a hedge uh, towards gambling? Like if you're losing some money on gambling, you might make some on cards? No, not really. No. I, I would say that I think he's saying I think he's just saying I think he's just saying that cards are safer and, and he's right. You'd rather if you have you lose a bet, that's the end of it. But if you have a guy and something happens, there's still time to recover in cards. And that's the beauty of cards. You don't actually lose until you sell. So I think that, yeah, cards are definitely way safer than sports betting. I, th I, th I mean, I think you're right. I, I don't sports bet much at all. I, you know, the odd time I go to Vegas, I'll, I'll throw down a bet for the who the Stanley Cup champ is going to be. I've never won. I've always been wrong. So don't listen to me. At the beginning of the season when people ask me who i think is going to win the stanley cup i'm probably wrong bet against me on that but but uh, i think you're right i think i think cards you know at the end of the day you have something from them let's talk a bit about blaze sports card the company that you have with your brothers um what what is blaze just tell what is blaze keep, keep it simple what is blaze sports cards what's the arrangement you have there with your brothers we do group breaking every day and we host it on youtube we have three channels. One's Blaze Baseball, Blaze Football, and then Basketball. And we started back in 2016 when group breaking was relatively new. I think group breaking started pretty much in like 2011, 2012. We started in 2016, and we've been breaking ever since. We focus mainly on the modern cards, which basketball, baseball, football. We do do like soccer, F1, and stuff like that. Not really for breaks, but we do it for personals. We have a personal stream that's on Instagram pretty much every day. And we just, we work just as hard, if not harder than anyone in the industry in terms of like putting the hours on the camera. We're live for over like 40 hours a day between all our channels. And we do it every day, every holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, we're always breaking. And our, we're, we're all about the passion. We're all about the moments, the memories, 
the friendships, the community, the family. That's the most important thing to us because we've been breaking for such a long point at this time. We have a long body of work and we have a lot of people that love us because we create experiences that make for lifelong memories. And that's like the ultimate thing. When I can remember something that happened in 2017, 2019, big pulls, just like moments that happen, stuff like that. That's the beauty of group breaking. It's like a community oriented thing. It's, it's just, it's just innate in group breaking is community. So we, like in our chats, everybody wants everyone to hit. We want like the, just the boxes to be good. So everyone does good. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's something that I, I couldn't have dreamed of doing sports cards as an adult because I've been doing it my whole life and it, it's the most amazing thing. And also to be able to do it with my brothers is amazing too because we all collected together when we were younger and now we pretty much get to carry it out as adults. And kind of off topic from, from sports cards, not cards, but one of your brothers is, was, bring me up to speed, a professional poker player, had some success, right? Yeah, my oldest brother, they call him the backer. He used to play professional poker back in the day. And now whenever he wins a tournament, he just, he talks about cards. <laughs> He talks about car. It's so funny. I've, I've seen one clip of that a while ago where he talked about sports cards being interviewed after winning some tournament or, or ca at least cashing in a tournament. And I like, uh, yeah, I talk about sports cards. That's that that's awesome. Is he still playing poker professionally? He plays, but he plays minimally. It, it's and, what is it, is it, Jared? Jared. Jared, yeah, okay. I sat next to him for a few minutes at the uh, at the poker tournament at the Beckett Industry Summit back in October, I think it was. And uh, I was actually late. I had to go up to my hotel room to do a stream, to do one of my shows. And it was like, and I was, I still had chips. So I went, and I actually sat beside him and I had to go all in every hand because I had to lose my chips. And <laughs> I ended up, I think, I think actually like crippled him to a degree because I went all in with like, with rags and they hit and you know so it's pretty funny uh, anything can happen in a baseball game and it can happen in a in the hand of poker before the flop right so uh the hobby with cage says why wasn't jay lee included in talent's hobby house of influencers no one does more content than jeremy um i couldn't tell you why cage but uh got enough on my plate so uh but congratulations to you if that is something that you are proud of and worthy of being congratulated on on being part of the house of influencers which i haven't even heard about so uh, <laughs> very uh very cool uh eric stefano good evening to you thanks for being here tip of the mitt first national can't wait let's just take a quick second chad and say if you're going to your first national here in 2023 and i mean let's face it the hobby content airwaves are full of of, of national tips do you have a national you've been going since you were a kid do you have a tip for the national that might be different than the other ones we're seeing all the time i would on the say spot here. i would say make sure that you eat like you have to eat because it can be tough to like sometimes people forget to eat because they're so focused on the cards so that's like a big one i would say i don't know you you just gotta it's tough to see everything, I would say. So you kind of like got to make sure you hit all the aisles. I would like pay attention to where you are 
to make sure that you like haven't seen that section because it's so big that you kind of want to like you want to hit everything but it might not be possible so i would kind of like try to be aware of where you are there you go there you go good tip my tip which i put out there you know on ig and elsewhere is and it's it, it, it go it's smack in the face of what a lot of people say a lot of people say get your bearings go into the show walk around pick out a few target cards you want and then you know go have lunch think about which card you want to spend your budget on or cards and then go back and buy those ones and i say no because if you do that especially if those, unless those are like mcdavid unless those are young guns or you know really common cards jordan fleer rookies trout tops updates there's millions of those you'll find those no problem but if it's a rare card and you really want it and it's like either a scarce rare card or a card that's just beautiful for the grade a vintage card that isn't rare but is scarce when it's really nice for the grade don't wait because someone else will snap that up it will not be there when you get back so that's my sort of uh national tip zach says strong armed is an interesting term to use in a billion dollar business everyone is using their leverage to make money yeah let's not let's not be too naive about how big business actually works mosaic mind says thanks for indulging me i've come across as debbie downer in this chat sorry i just have suspicions of sudden influxes of capital into relatively small businesses uh please don't apologize for that uh we want to we want to we want to see all different thoughts and um you know sometimes i'll respond to them favorably and sometimes i'll just be like no that that's not the way it is at least that's just how i see it. that's just my opinion again agreement is not required here but um but when when there is agreement then hey we're maybe we're onto something uh here's one chad again another one that's a little bit uh maybe out of your wheelhouse as, as you've said but currency project says going public would that change the business model from hobby to investment securities or gambling would that invite oversight body to get involved sec it's already it's already a security and an investment as it is so i don't think that going public changes the way the the government looks at sports cards as a, as gambling or re additional regulation we're talking about like simply financial reporting uh, and, and compliance uh, with 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 accounting and, and and standards like that. Take portable chargers with you as a tip from Cobra Diamond. That's a really good one. Facebook user here had the same the same one. Tip says love this chat. Helpful tips for sure. I am making a list to stay focused on. Very good um boy lo lots of comments it's like chad we've got several here I'll, I'll read through them but like each one can take us into overtime i'm sure so let's just go professor says are breakers able to share the odds of getting a hit or is the information about print runs not available to give such odds only if it's made public right chad we we know what you know it's the same yeah. thing Ben Diamond says, when they go public, ideally more transparency with regulation. To be honest, though, cards are a small part of their portfolio. Apparel is their moneymaker. Yeah, but that, you know, that, that, that could start to shift, not significantly, but I, I do think that they're not, they're not building up this, this sports card business uh, to not give it attention, I don't think. Darren says, eat food. The next you'll say is leave the poker blackjack tables and go to the bathroom. Nonsense. <laughs> I'm not kidding. People forget to eat, and I'm one of those people. 
You can. Oh, that Chad, that happens to me too. I go to when I go to the Toronto. Yeah, I'll get to the show at eight o'clock. I'll sit down at the Toronto Expo. I'll, I get there at eight o'clock. I've got my Tim Hortons breakfast in hand. I'll scarf it down, have my coffee. Eight thirty. I'll start walking around the show, looking for the early bird worm. You know, I'll come back to my booth before the show opens. I'll open up my booth, and then I'll do deals until nine o'clock at night. Holy <laughs> crap! I haven't, I haven't peed all day i haven't had a bottle of water it's like you have to be mindful of these things so be mindful of them stuke says 100 correct on buy it when you see it if it's scarce or rare it probably won't be there when you go back it might not even be there 10 minutes later so definitely don't do that mark from ultimate pastime we'll see you in a few days buddy says you're both great for the hobby make sure you bring a phone charger snacks and water good to see you in here mark Always good to see Mark. One of the best in the hobby right there. As far as just loves what he's doing. Great energy. If you're not following Ultimate Pastime on Instagram yet, please go ahead and do so. You won't regret it. Mosaic Mind says, Seablas, do you have any cards in your collection that you will never part with? I I, I would part. I would part. But I, I, Mosaic Mind, I just want to say I appreciate all your questions. I, I don't see it as a Debbie Downer. I see it as more of you want genuine thoughts on what you've been thinking about in your head. And I'm sure other people think about that stuff. So I just want to say that keep thinking in depth about the hobby because it helps the conversation. So I appreciate that. I, I agree. And, you know, the other thing is that like, you know, we, 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 I want to, I need to be kind of like, shown other other ways of thinking than just my own because i'm only one we're all only one brain each right i just have my own brain my experience i try to be open-minded and consider the downside you always you know you always need to consider the downside on most things that you that you go in, into in life what anything you know one of my best mentors ever once said you so said to me whenever you go into a deal you always have to think about how you're going to unwind that deal Always consider that. So, you know, it's a different thing, but it's similar. Always look at what the downside can be and present the, present that uh, devil's advocate outlook because it might just give you more insight, take you outside your comfort zone, outside your own way of thinking. And if you're open-minded, you'll be open to that discussion and you won't just shoot it down right away because you're ignorant to what it might be. And, and you're just, you just think it's your way or the highway, which a lot of people do. So... I can't believe that a lot of people do. Like, I really just can't believe it. Like, we only know what we know. And then it's better to listen to someone else who knows more on a certain subject that you don't, because then you're going to pick up more. And then the next time, you're going to know even more. So it's like, it doesn't even make sense. Be, be willing to learn. Just be open-minded and willing to learn. And if And listen, the way I define being open-minded, Chad, is... I have my theories on the way the world works, the way the hobby works. But if someone presents me with their theory and I think to myself, you know what? That makes more sense than my currently held belief on that matter. I push that out and I make, and I take your theory and I make it my own. That is now my new way of looking at that particular item, that particular issue in life, the world or the hobby, because I didn't know it before. My brain didn't allow me to go there because I just, never saw it i only have walked my shoes i haven't walked yours so i don't know all your theories but you present me with one as an open-minded person i'm going to at least consider it 
I'm going to evaluate it. And if I think it makes more sense in mine, and that's up to me to decide, I'm going to make it mine. That is how I define being open-minded. I strive to live that way. Obviously, I'm not perfect. I'm sure sometimes I don't. And I might miss out on some really good and better theories or ways of looking at things. What do you think? I agree with you 100%. You just got to, I mean, you said it perfect. We'll, we'll just move on. You said it perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, let's go to this one from Zach. He says, do either of you have any comment on the expectations around production value at card shows going forward with the announcement of Fanatic events? Do we want card shows to look like the Mint Collective? I'll let you go first. Great question, Zach. And I think it's kind of just like thought because we don't know what's going to happen because they just announced that they're coming, they're forming as a company. But personally, I love the Mint. I think it's one of the best shows that they have. You, you were there. I, I, I think that, I mean, I think more card shows in the future should look similar to the Mint. I'll say that because a, any person could come in to that show and have a, like a, a good time. I think that the fact that there's carpet throughout the whole thing, there's high production activations going on with the companies in the space i think that stuff like events like the mint should be more prevalent and i think that yeah the production value on a lot of shows does need to go up a hundred percent it needs to be better and i think that fanatics will up the standards to shows i don't know when but i hope that they do yeah yeah well i i hear you i I haven't put a ton of thought into Fanatics events yet, but I do have some thoughts I'll, I'll just share. And um, first of all, I don't think the national is going to go away because if you if you think about it, we talked a bit earlier about how Fanatics is going to have businesses in all, in all different areas of, of our hobby, of, of the sports car memorabilia industry. They have, they have, and all of those businesses have competitors. Even Tops has competitors. Now, you know, maybe not licensed competitors, but even tops will have competitors. And so why would Upper Deck and Leaf and all the grading companies and all, all the companies that are not owned by Fanatics, why would they abandon the national to go to a Fanatics show? Especially like what is what is Fanatics like this and does Fanatics events want to have the national go away? Are they going to set up a show? Are they going to are they going to set up a show that same weekend somewhere else and and have tops be the only card company on display and and have fanatics live events the only company doing live live events and have sorry not live live shopping be the only company doing live shopping is their auction house going to be the only auction house that can that can pwcc is that going to be the only auction house that can be set up there if that's the case, then maybe they do become the national if everyone else is welcome. But I don't think that's going to be the case because they're not going to own every competitor to, to PWCC and every competitor to all the other companies that they have to, that they have acquired or are going to acquire. So that's my un my my non complete thought on that piece of it. But then you've got all the other shows. You've got the Burbank show, the Dallas show, the East Coast shows all the regional shows, those aren't going to change. They're not going to change unless they are partnering up with fanatics. They're not going to change because they've got, there's 140 years worth of cards to be sold and transacted upon at those shows. 
Fanatics, again, only has an impact as, car, as far as actual cards goes on 2023 forward. A very, very small percentage of everything. So I don't, like, I love the Mint Collective 2 chat. I thought it was awesome. I, lo I love the, I love that elevated experience. And I can see Fanatics taking out the Mint and, and, and changing the Mint into something else or just the next evolution of it. But I don't think that it's good that they are going to have much of an impact at all on existing card shows, unless I'm totally wrong. And they go out to each and every state and province and country that has a hobby, ho hobby activity and sets up a show in those places uh, on their own. But I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, putting aside of fanatics events, if they do make better card shows, it's going to force other people to up their experiences or else when you compare the modern card shows to the future card shows, they're not going to look that good. So I think that I just think that you don't know what's going to happen because a lot of these card shows only came around in the past like three, four years. The national has been around, but every other card show we mentioned has been since the COVID boom, they've been big shows. So I think that, Fanatics events, we don't really know anything because they just announced, but I do think that the card show experience at a base level does need to be a lot better and a lot better. It's It's got to be the casual person needs to be able to come into the show and not say like it needs to be for more than just card focused is my point. It right. can't just be like transactions and deal making. There needs to be other things at these shows yeah and fanatics can definitely bring out athletes themselves i think that would be a big part of it you know experiences with athletes you know we, we you think about the the mint collective it, it had a heavy like corporate presence a, a lot of corporate exhibitors with really nice activations and if you, you know if if they're going to stay committed to the national and they're going to stay committed to maybe a couple of other shows annually they're, you know, they're not going to have budget to set up at every Fanatics event that is put on, especially if Fanatics is going to put on like six events a year. If they're going to put in, put on one or two big events a year, maybe they take out the Beckett Industry Summit. A lot of people are speculating that that event isn't, doesn't mean anything anymore. And so Fanatics can have the Industry Summit now under their name. Maybe the Mint Collective becomes, you know, they, they just take over that event and just replace it. I could see that happening. But, but I don't see all the corporate, I don't see corporate presence on any much more of a regular basis than we're already seeing it because these shows cost a lot of money for these companies to send out all their employees, set up these, these installations and, uh, and, and, it's, and sponsor these events. I agree. But one thing that I do think is IMG is the company that like partnered with Fanatics, I think, in this company. And I think that they're also involved in the Mint currently and at the beginning. So I think the Mint's not going to go away. That's going to be more of like one of their big events, if I had to speculate. Yeah, that might become like right now or up until the, the last Mint, it was Collectible, Omaha Productions, Peyton Manning, and IMG. Collectible's out of the, out of the, uh, they're out of that. I think, I think they're out of business basically now. So they're not on the Mint Collective anymore is my speculation. I don't have any facts on that. And then you left with Omaha and IMG. Well, it makes a lot of sense for IMG and and Fanatics to just sort of take take that over or 
who knows if, if main collective will even happen next year I, I don't know but i can see this a new ownership group being made up again of img and, and fanatics sort of taking over what the mint collective has been meaning to be over time this is a new thing though that i love about the hobby all this drama and stuff that is happening I didn't really experience any of this stuff as a kid. Nobody talked about all this stuff, especially on like social media or on a national stage. And now you see ESPN articles, you see MSNBC, all these companies, they're talking about this stuff. And I like to just follow it all. And I'm super appreciative that there's more coverage of the hobby because back in the day, you just had to talk to your friends or go to your LCS or a card show, but it was kind of hard to engage with the whole country of card collectors. And now it's a lot easier, which I really enjoy. Yeah, agree, well said. Uh, Zach here says, if, if card shows become a destination event for families or groups of friends, then I could see saving your chunk of savings on the show with the best production. And right now that like the national, even though it might not have the best production, but it's still pretty darn good. Like it, it, that's a, that's, it's a behemoth to take down. I don't think national is going anywhere personally. Mosaic mind says the relationship of the card producer to the consumer collector was ultimately quite important to the producer. The producer had respect for that relationship. Will fanatics keep that going? I don't know. Time will tell. I, I agree. Time, time will tell on that. Dave Kaplan says, Blaise, a lot of your videos are funny. Are you sometimes surprised when other people find your videos funny? Or do you always know when a video will get a laugh or potentially go viral? I think that some of them are made to be funny and people don't see it as funny, but a lot of it is educational. But I'm also trying to entertain. And by that, comedy does play a part. So I don't mind if people laugh. Honestly, it's fine. When I wanted to ask you, so, and I have a, I have a, a, a bullet point on my notes here. It says shirt off dancing and then dancing shirtless. You've done all, you've done all these things on, on, in your content. And I mean, let's face it. There's, there are the people who are like, ah, he's just having fun. They see it for what it is. I think like myself and just say, he's having fun, double tap, get a laugh, move on. And then there's people that just are like, they, they shake their heads. They make, they make uh, rude comments in the comments. Um, talk about that a little bit. How, how do you, how do you process the types of comments your funny content generates? The hate is something that is, is pretty high, I would say, but I think that as people have told me, I'm putting myself out there. So it comes with the territory. You're going to get positive comments. You're going to get negative comments. But the, the approach I try to take is don't get too high on the positive. Don't get too low on the negative. Just kind of like keep doing what I'm doing, put my head down and focus on making great stuff. But I would say that the hate does come in and, and it's been a lot more recently. I don't know why, but it is what it is. I don't really mind it that much. It just comes with the territory. And I think that I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and, and having a good time doing it. Yeah, no, I agree. There, there is, there is the hate comes with the territory. You can be a, 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 a content creator slash influencer like yourself that has a huge following. You can be a, a more moderate one like myself, a small one that doesn't have a huge, huge subscriber followers. Well, you're uh, big, you're big. 
but well, I'm tall. I'm six six. But I do <laughs> I do I do have my critics and my haters, let's say. But I'll tell you one thing, Chad, and I think I think you feel the same way. I'd way rather be the one creating and and putting yourself out there and you know doing what we're doing versus the ones versus the people that are simply criticizing, critiquing, and uh, and 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 you know having that that hate. The the I don't know. I'd rather be I'd rather be creating original content versus not and. And I'd rather be the one getting the hate than the one doing the hating because it's just, a, I don't know, give, giving, it's just, it's having that anger and that uh, in you. I mean, I've had angry periods of life too. And it's not, I don't think it's healthy, uh, you know, mentally. So your approach, I like it a lot. You know, like, like you said, don't get too high on the highs, too low on the lows. It's a great way of looking at it. So I would just say kudos to you on that for sure. It's tough though, uh, it, it's, especially when you're not feeling well. Everyone goes through ups and downs as people and, and seeing that negative comment, sometimes it, 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 is, it can be annoying, but you just got to realize at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really matter that much. Just keep going. Keep going. And you know, the way I process it a lot is I just think to myself, you know, it's fuel to, to just keep doing what I do and to try and level up and level up and level up and be just like because they they say success is the best revenge and that's when that's kind of now i'm not saying it's i have success but i'm striving towards it i think i'm always in life striving towards success as i define success for me not how you define or anyone else defines it we all define success our own way just like and there's infinite amounts of that of, of ways to define it so just striving towards increasing my level of success. And sometimes, listen, the positive comments fuel that as well as, as the negative, it's all, it's all kind of fuel. And so, but it takes some concentration, I think, to be able to convert the negative into a positive. I agree. Okay. Okay, let's go to some comments. Let's go to some comments. We'll wrap up in, a, in a very soon here. We're over two hours. Uh, okay, Cobra says there is always someone negative in every group. Move past them. Great advice, Cobra Diamond. Thank you for that. Zombie says, Seablez, let the fans know about Zombie Line. I don't know what he's talking about. Me neither. Lapper says, I wish I was big enough to have haters. Check out Lapper's YouTube channel, everybody. Check out Lapper's hockey card flips. Oh, Cobra Knight says, sounds like a phrase on a shirt. Mark says, Jeremy has a lot of fans. I appreciate that, Mark. And gaining more, Chris Condor, welcome to the show. Mosaic says, I think Jeremy's idea of the sports leagues having an interest in how Fanatics business operates is highly important in protecting the hobby. That makes sense to me. Hobby health equals sports health. EJ, good to see you. EJ. Uh, EJ. EJ from Burbank Show. My boy. What's up, EJ? Good to see you, pal. Gilson. Jeremy, you need to give Seablez one of your disembodied head shirts. He'll never take it off. Hilar yeah, I, I forgot about those, to be honest, Mookie. But uh, yeah, what he's talking about, Chad, is on my YouTube channel, there's like a shop tab. And if you click, click, if you click on it, there's like, I have made, I designed some sport, I designed two different sports cards live t-shirts. One just has the sports cards live logo. The other has my face because, you know, the floating head brand that I've developed over three and a half years on sports cards live 
uh, did that just for fun. And I think I sold like half a dozen of them. So not, not too many. <laughs> not too, they're, not, they're not very popular. I don't play. Who'd want my? Who'd want this mug on their shirt? But I appreciate that, Mookie Shelson. Thank you, Darren. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Let's just let let's start to wrap up, Chad, because we're, we're over. We're in overtime, as you can see. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Any ideas? Anything going through your head that you'd like to talk about before we we wrap up? I just want to say I appreciate everybody coming in and watching and engaging. And I love the way that people in, in Jeremy's community think about the hobby. And they're very questioning, asking a lot of questions. I think that's a good thing. I think that's how we move the hobby forward is by questioning what's going on and making sure it's actually good. And I just want to say that I'm glad and I'm thankful that everybody included me in the conversation about just what we talked about tonight. I think I think we had some great conversation and I think that more people out there need to have open conversations. It's not always about just agreeing with everybody just to agree. You have to think freely, think independently and think on your own to determine what you think and then see if you agree or not. You can't just blindly agree. And I think a lot of people in here did that tonight. And I thank you guys for allowing me to come on. I appreciate it, Jeremy, you as well. And I'm excited for where the hobby is right now. I think we're in a good spot and I think the future is bright. Great closing comments. I'll just add a bit to that. So, you know, uh, in terms of agree to just to agree and be informed, inform yourself. Don't just, don't just take, don't just listen to anybody on YouTube or anywhere else and consider it factual and truth. Do some of your own research if you want to before you just adopt someone else's thoughts as your own. Be, be a free thinker, uh, be your own thinker, and, uh, and realize that not everybody's out there uh, telling the truth all the time. And what there, a, lot of, a lot of things you hear out there uh, on, on the sound waves are just baseless a lot, a lot. Not all the time. Some of it's really good. Some of it's very factual and should be out there. But a lot of it is often can often be baseless for sure. I'll read the closing comments from the chat guys. Get them, get them in uh, right away and we will get there. Currency Project says not popular equals scarce. Those shirts are out of six. We want a couple. Cobra says you've probably discussed it, but what is the new rules? The local card shops can, yeah, well, we're not going to get into that, Cobra. Uh, plenty of other coverage on that though. Darren says, Chad, are you ever conflicted your cards versus your bets? Any hedging? We kind of covered that already. I think, Chad, do you want to just add anything to that? It's, I consider them separate, pretty much completely separate. Mark Santucci, good show. Jeremy, enjoy Chicago. Speak to you in August. Take care, Chad. Very nice market to see you as always. Tip of the Mitt says, thanks. Collect what you choose to. Good night, gents. Thank you. Tip of the Mitt, Chad. We'll see you at the National. I'm going to be basting myself at the tag grading booth. Make sure you come by. I'm going to, I want to give you a tour and uh, show you what we're all about there and uh, do a bit of content with you uh, on that if, if we can. Thank you very much, uh, Joe Perot, Eric Stefano, Cobra Diamond, Mosaic Mind. Good to see you. Sorry, Chad, I didn't give you a chance to respond to that, but yeah, definitely come by there. No, 100%, I'm gonna stop by the booth. I'll see you at the National. And thank you everybody for coming in. This was awesome. It feels like, honestly, it was like five minutes. It's been two hours, but I feel like I could talk about the hobby obviously 24 seven. So thank you. Thank you, Chad. Great to have you. And uh, we'll have you back again, man, eventually, but looking forward to seeing you in a few days in Chicago at the national, everybody out there. Thank you again for joining.
Good to see you all. I see you, Joe, Lapper, Darren. Thank you for the final comments, you guys. Double header on the double feature on the channel on Monday. We're doing an REA auctions catalog showcase. And then that night we have MC MC Mondays live. Bowel Five Ball says, I bought a Jay Lee head shirt. My wife thinks it's weird. I love it. That's awesome, Jeremy. His name is Jeremy, too. Thank you for doing that. One thing I want to say before everyone leaves everybody should be watching all of Jeremy's coverage on all these auctions. He pretty much created a new avenue of content where he's giving coverage of the auctions as they're ending. And I think that it's a great content idea. I appreciate it very much as someone who loves the hobby because I think it's going to draw people in to, to view that stuff. Everybody should be checking out all the time when he goes live to watch the auctions. And if you can, because it's definitely some content that the hobby needs. Thank you, Chad. I, I appreciate that. I'm having a ton of fun with it and uh, working with seven different auction companies, consigners now. So definitely doing a lot of it. Enjoy it. And uh, we'll thank you for those comments. And with that, everybody, thank you so much. This episode is over. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.